Father, we thank you that you are gracious to us, generous to us. And you've given us this book whereby we may understand your heart and your mind, where we can course correct, where we can avoid calamity and judgment. And we ask that you would just uh, truly prick our hearts with this. It's so easy for us to go through a series, a sermon, a, a time in church, and really not walk away with much. But I pray that we would walk away with the full experience, the full blessing of what you have for us here. And so we thank you for your word, apply it to our hearts, make us lovers of you, that we will love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and that we'd be those people who would love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And we just pray that you're glorified through our lives. And so be with us, we pray. Uh, it's by your power and yours alone that anything is accomplished. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, how long have we had this book, the book of Proverbs? How old is this book, would you guess? How old is this book? How old? Solomon's the writer. And so how old does that make this book? What did you say, Sister Hardin? 3,000 years old. Yes. 3,000 years old. Because you remember that we've had 2,000 years in this millennium uh, from... Um, A.D., uh, if we'd call it A.D., year one. Uh, it's been 2,000 years since then. And uh, David and Solomon, they lived about 1,000 years B.C. And so that's 1,000 plus 2,000, 3,000 years that we've had this book it's always been celebrated. It's always been a rich book. It's always been highly recommended to the children of every generation as well as the adults. In the book of Proverbs, there is something for everybody. And so um, with this book, it makes it clear to us, and this is something that is important for us to know, is that we all start out our journey the same way. There's nobody who was born smart, born with wisdom, born with understanding. We all start out the same way in our life's journey. And so, Foolishness, that lack of wisdom, is the native condition of the human heart. It is what is normal for us. And the book of Proverbs 
it talks about every child that foolishness is just bound up in the heart of a child. And that word bound up or that phrase meaning that this is not just a simple covering of the heart. Um, it's, it's not something that is easily removed. It is bound up. It is wrapped up. It's a messy process of removing it. And so um, that's our job as adults is to help the children around us to rid themselves of foolishness. And just by way of remembrance, uh, there are three different kinds of fools in the book of Proverbs. One is a fool because they are lazy when it comes to learning, and so it leaves them uh, stupid or silly, and those words are not meant to be insulting, but meant to give us a flavor for the individual. They're bored with wisdom, and so they don't have it. They suffer from a lack of information. Uh, that's the kasil. And then there is the nabal. This person just has no spiritual depth, no spiritual understanding. When it comes to spiritual things, they have a hard time perceiving it. And so to them, a wisdom is just irrelevant. It's, it's just not uh, something that I'm interested in because for them, morality is based on the laws of the jungle. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Uh, I'll get even or I'll get ahead, whatever it is. And so when it comes to what God has to say about something, uh, they're not interested in that. Forgiveness? <laughs> no, I don't forgive. I get even. Yeah, but here's what God says about that. Uh, that Bible stuff, that doesn't work. And so they lack spiritual perception. Wisdom is irrelevant to them. And then there's the evil. And this is the fool that is arrogant. They're flippant, yet they're mentally dull. And uh, the thing that is true about this type of fool is that they are offended by wisdom. Um, I take you back again to the consequences of foolishness. There are people who are depressed uh, over and over and over again. They're down, and uh, many of them don't realize it, that if they made wise choices, the depression would be lifted. Financial problems, always spending money, they uh, don't need to spend on stuff that really never needed to happen following the wrong voices, being influenced by the wrong things, and sometimes that wrong voice is their own inner voice. Shallowness, where they are consumed by things that really don't 
amount of much they're unimportant or of the least importance. And so they're shallow individuals. Unanswered prayer. Uh, I've been crying out to God forever about this. I've been asking God to help me with this and, and, and I'm still struggling with it. And he hasn't answered my prayer. And they don't realize that they are blocking the answer to their prayer. And then, of course, that uh, last one on the list, eternal damnation. Most people believe that their way is the right way. Most people believe that they are fairly intelligent and fairly wise. And uh, most church people die and uh, go straight to damnation. Just because you're at church doesn't mean that you're getting what you should be getting. I am always aware that when it comes to teaching and preaching, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing to those who heed and who are transformed by the Word of God, and it is a curse, setting them up for judgment the ones who don't heed. Did you know that the book of Proverbs identifies uh, fools in several ways? And uh, I thought I would jot down five ways for you that fools are identified, clearly identified in the book of Proverbs. And so if you are familiar with the book of Proverbs, if you're familiar with the Word of God, fools become very easy to spot. Fools are easy to spot. One way is by their level of understanding. Uh, they either have a low level of understanding and often is is that whatever they understand is just is distorted they don't they don't see reality the way reality is and so it's my truth and your truth and the next person's truth and they have a distorted view of everything They don't realize it, but they are often out of sync with reality. I uh, told a person one day, I said, I not only like you, but I love you. Um, and their response was, and they didn't say it to me at the time, but their response was, what does it mean by that? Like, 
You know, what kind of insult is that? And the only thing that was meant by it was my, my uh, feelings for you, my relationship with you is more than just a casual, I like you. You know, I, I love you. And they were trying to figure out, uh, you know, what, what kind of insult is that? What kind of backhanded comment is that? They were just not in touch with reality. And so, not only by their understanding or their distortion, but you can spot a fool by their companions. And for that reason, some people uh, don't really want you to know who their companions are. Because they know that it makes a statement about them. But uh, their companions are often people who are immoral or people who are scoffers. What's a scoffer? What's a scoffer? What's a scoffer? A complainer? That's pretty close. What's a scoffer? One of the things I try to make a point to do on a Saturday night as I try to get to bed at a decent hour so that I can give God what he is deserving on a Sunday morning. And I say that because some of us look a bit tired and I just want to plant that seed with you that God is worth your attention and worth your energy on a Sunday morning. Uh, we should give him that. A scoffer is someone who criticizes truth. For instance, uh, they would laugh at a virgin. They would uh, um, belittle someone who has never been drunk. They would make fun of someone who goes to church. They would criticize the person who is submissive to leadership. And so they are the ones who call good evil. Those are the scoffers. Uh, if you make immoral people your companions, the people who are your favorite to hang out with. Those are the ones you feel the most at home with. Those are the ones you relate to. It makes a statement about you. If your friends are immoral people or if they are scoffers. Here's a third way fools are identified in the book of Proverbs is by their suffering. Fools 
are forced to be miserable people. There's always some unnecessary suffering going on, and often the suffering is hidden, it's invisible, and you just don't know about it, but they do. One of the things that counselors will tell you is that there are a lot of people who look happy and their suffering is hidden and they look happy and normal and healthy like everything's going their way. But one way that fools are identified in the book of Proverbs is their frequent suffering. A fifth way, yes ma'am. Yeah, suffering doesn't make you a fool, but foolishness will cause you to suffer. You make foolish choices, there are going to be consequences. Yeah. People go out and get a payday loan um, and suffer. Okay, now I've got to you know, lose my car title and, you know, uh, people co-sign for somebody. Okay, now I'm in trouble. Or you marry the wrong person or whatever it is. So that's the uh, suffering part. You are too foolish to take advantage of your educational opportunity. And now you have this crummy job and you can't get a better one. And so that's the suffering. Um, and so the fourth way is by their arrogance. By their arrogance. Wise people will always be open to um, instruction, improvement, ideas, uh, expanding on a thought. But arrogant people are just totally sure that their foolishness is wisdom. And they don't need to hear from anybody else. They don't need to hear anything else. Uh, that's arrogance. The way that I say it needs to be done is the one way that it's got to be done. This is the one right way to do it. And so, if you're saying something is the only right way to do it, the only way to do that and not be arrogant is if that's what God said. For instance, 
I will boldly proclaim that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I'll stand on that no matter what. But I can say that because God says that. I'm never going to say about any of my methods, my ideas, my ways, that this is the one right way, and I don't want to hear anybody else. Fools are arrogant, and they're totally sure that their foolishness is wisdom. Uh, one time there was a guy in the orientation class on a Sunday morning and we were talking about um, I forget what we were talking about but uh, he said uh, now there does come a time when you got to hit a woman I'm like what? <laughs> Yeah, there's a time where you got to hit a woman. And he was just arrogantly sold on that position. And that was, his, that was his philosophy. And in his mind, it was right. His foolishness was wisdom. But the fifth way, um, fools are identified in the book of Proverbs, is by their reaction to wise counsel. Um, what's the reaction? Anger. Attack. Um, I'm offended. They don't receive wise counsel well. And of course, uh, if they don't receive it well, it's not their fault, it's your fault, right? Well, it's not what you said, it's the way you said it. Or something else. But they don't receive wise counsel very well. And you find that very often being stated in the book of Proverbs that if you uh, give counsel to a fool, um, you're going to get a backlash. And, of course, the book of Proverbs gives the opposite uh, to the person who is wise, that they'll love you for the wise counsel, that they will love you all the more. They will appreciate you for giving them wise counsel. They will thank you for it. They will love you for it. The fool, there will be anger, Emotion, 
offense, attack. Any questions about these five things that identify fools in the book of Proverbs? Any questions about any of these five? Okay. So, Solomon gives us the purpose of this book right up front. The thing that I want you to notice is how wide, how broad God wants our wisdom to be. He doesn't want us to have wisdom in just one or two things, in just one or two ways. God wants a broad spectrum of wisdom to be found in his children. Aren't you the same way about your kids? Do you want your kids to just be wise about one thing? Or do you want your kids to be wise about everything? And so here's what Solomon says uh, this book is after. For us to know wisdom. I want my children to be wise. And he says, and instruction. So... What is instruction? That is the thing that deepens our wisdom. To receive instruction in wise behavior. And so people should be able to look at our behavior, our lives, the way that we act. And they should see wisdom. So he wants us to know righteousness and justice and equity. What is that about? What's the difference between righteousness and justice and equity? Anybody want to take a stab at it? So God wants us to know righteousness, what is righteous, what is holy, what is not. If you don't have a good grasp on that, uh, on righteousness, what is righteousness, where, where, where do you draw the lines? How do you live a righteous life? I meet people all the time who are doing things that are wrong they're ungodly, they're sinful, they're filthy, and the people don't even know that what they're doing is wrong, that it's immoral. There are people who support politicians who are just as immoral and are pushing immoral laws and they will boldly get behind them and say, I am standing with him, I am standing with her, even though her or his platform is. And they know exactly what these people are after, and they will go, well, that's my candidate. So, righteousness, that addresses our conduct. 
God wants us to know what righteousness is, where the lines are. Justice. We live in a society where um, justice has become very convoluted. So when a person does wrong, what should be the penalty? What should be the consequence? We are totally mixed up on that at this point. It used to be um, a lot more black and white. This is right, this is wrong, this is lawful, this is not, and here are the consequences. Now, uh, it's a mixed bag. There are people who can publicly, boldly break the law, and, uh, somebody, and somebody says, oh, they were just hungry. Um, anything wrong with that? When you push it to its logical co consequence, oh, they were just hungry. So these people who are under the freeway and that's how they live in uh, that sort of destitution. Uh, that means it's okay for them to just kill each other, right? Because they they're all hungry. And so justice, uh, what should be the consequence? What should be the response to the wrongdoer? And so what about this equity? Help me out on that one. What are we talking about there? That's for the victim. If somebody has been done wrong, yes, there should be justice for the wrongdoer, where there should be compensation for the victim. Uh, what should we make sure they get out of this being a victim? If you murder their supporter, should you have to support them? Or it's just their loss and you have no responsibility? What should be done if you steal someone's car? Equity says you have to make them whole for that. I stole the car, I wrecked it. Well, you're going to have to give them a car that was equal to or better than the one they had. So number four, to give prudence to the naive. And so prudence is like good judgment. I want to do that which is prudent, that which is smart. To give prudent to the naive. And what's the naive? Uh, that's the person who just hasn't learned wisdom yet. It's the person who is inexperienced. To give prudence to the naive, uh, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. And again, what is, what, what is knowledge? 
Knowledge is that which informs our wisdom. Discretion is good judgment. And here's what it says in verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. And so you get the instruction from the book of Proverbs, and there's going to be a response to it. A wise man will hear, and they'll increase in their learning. They'll become wiser. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Didn't saying acquire counsel. There are people all the time who are looking for counsel. They're looking for advice. They're looking for a direction. But they're not looking for wise counsel. I was uh, traveling with a co-worker once, and we were uh, in New Orleans, and they wanted to go and find a witch doctor because they wanted to get this thing um, <clears throat> to control somebody. They were wanting counsel. It was just foolish counsel. And this is a person who goes to church. Be careful who you let speak into your life. Not everybody has wisdom. Not everybody who says I'm a Christian counselor is a Christian counselor in terms of using the word of God appropriately. Not everybody has a genuine motive. Uh, the longer they can keep you in counseling, the more money they're going to make. And that's the goal of some counselors, just keep you strung along as long as they can. And so verse number six, to understand a proverb and a figure, like a figure of speech, the words of the wise, uh, these intelligent, wise people, to be able to follow what they're saying, and their riddles. In other words, to be able to understand things that are complex, things that are not just obvious, things we have to read between the lines, things we have to interpret, things that require your aptitude and understanding, God says, that's where I want my children to be. Where they're wise. So, we'll go from table to table and see if we can get some help. So, Pick someone at this table for number one. Who are y'all picking for number one at this table? Who are y'all nominating? All right, Avery, what does this mean? An empty wagon makes a lot of noise. Things that are hollow have the loudest sounds. 
don't have a lot going on on the inside. And so how does this relate to people? Yeah. Often the people who have the least going on is making the most noise. Be careful of people who talk a lot, brag a lot. Somebody at this table, who are y'all nominating? Whoever is first nominated. Give me a name. All right, Sabrina. Cross the stream where it is shallowest. What are we talking about here? Cross the stream where it is shallowest. Be careful where you go. All right. How does it relate to people? <clears throat> Be careful who you associate with. Okay. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Anybody else want to help us out? Number two. Cross the stream where it is shallowest. Be wise. How does that relate to people? And how does that relate to people? You're a good drummer. <laughs> All right, who says, okay, I got it. I got it, I know what it means. All right, O'Neill. Yeah. Find the easiest way to do something, right? Um, you don't want to find the hard way to do stuff. Find the easy way to do stuff. Good. Uh, somebody at this table, who are you going to nominate for number three? Oh, Sister Robinson got nominated. <laughs> uh, wolves and sheep don't run together. Be careful who you run with. Okay, yes. Because... Huh? Run into danger? All right. Anybody want to add to it? All right. What you got? Okay. Got you. I got you. All right. Thank you. Anybody else? What's what? Predators don't run with meals. Okay. 
So is this a way of saying people who are good and bad don't hang out together? The sheep being the saved, the wolves being the lost. One is dark, one is light. Okay. So I have associates who are not saved, but they don't pick me for their true companions, if you know what I mean. Uh, they may respect me, they may like me, they may enjoy working with me, but they don't invite me to their parties. When they curse, they often say, sorry, I apologize, you know what I mean? Uh, and so if you're at home with a person who is bad and they're at home with you, uh, something's wrong there. Something's wrong if your friends didn't change when you got saved. What about number four? Uh, somebody at this table, nominate somebody. Nominate somebody to answer this. Who are you going to nominate? All right. Uh, looks like Brother Adam's pointing at you, Brother Vaughn. I saw you point your pen at him. So who are you nominating? Are you nominating somebody? Who are you nominating? You pointing at him again. Okay, go ahead, Brother Vaughn. All right, Brother Vaughn. Um, it is easy to find a thousand soldiers, but hard to find one good general. What are we talking about? Okay, I got you. A lot of good stuff said there. Anybody want to jump in and add anything to that? Being a good president for a lot of people? To lead people, okay. So yeah, um, is it a fine people who are willing to like join the group, be a part of the group? But to Find somebody with leadership ability. Uh, it doesn't just say general. It says good general. That is one of the things that um, I am always looking for. Who can be the next good general? Who can be the next leader we have various ministries that are in the church, and the question is always, how can you strengthen the person who is in charge of that ministry, or how can you find somebody who can be a good leader, somebody you don't have to micromanage, and, and you don't have to prompt them, and you don't have to 
hold them up, you know, you, you, you just hand it to them and they run with it and they do a good job. It's quality. They're making it better, not worse, not stagnating. Uh, it, it's hard to find leaders like that. And I hope that all of us are praying the same prayer. God, make me that kind of a leader. Make me that kind of a leader. Men and women, younger and older, I hope that's your prayer. So, number five. Sister Harden. <laughs> number five, smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. What are we talking Yep, yep, yep. And so the person who doesn't like challenge, doesn't want challenge, doesn't want to put up with the leadership or doesn't want to put up with the challenge of a ministry or whatever it is, uh, that person is never going to be they're never going to become the best version of themselves. In order for you to become the best version of you, you have to welcome challenge. I don't know how to do that. Well, the better version of you is somebody who learns how to do that. I'm not sure I'm good at that the better version of you becomes good at that. All right, somebody at this table, um, number seven, who are y'all nominating? I skipped it, number seven, who are y'all nominating? All right, Tyler got nominated. Number seven, the higher the monkey climbs, the more he shows his tail. Okay, and what do you suppose it says? the more you can see his tail. Your flaws are more exposed. Okay, I see what you're saying. Anybody wanna add anything to that? Nobody wants to add anything to that? Gotcha. I can see that. But there's something else going on with this one. 
Got you. I can I can see that. So, a monkey. Does this point to a respectable character? No, this is a person who is a monkey. And so monkeys are known not for their wisdom. Monkeys are known for acting a monkey. You, you elevate a monkey up the ladder, and the higher they get, the more they show their tail. The more they show... Um, Yeah, um, and this is about a person showing their undesirable traits. The higher the monkey climbs, the more they feel free to act a fool, show their true nature. Um, one last one, number nine. Eagles don't run in packs. And this table over here. <laughs> Who are y'all nominating? Gotcha. So you nominated Nicole. <laughs> so eagles don't run in packs. Hmm? They fly. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. I, uh, huh? Strength. Okay. So a person of strength is able to stand alone. A person of strength is able to stand alone. They're independent thinkers. They're not having to run in a pack for protection. A person of strength uh, will stand alone. And often, they don't have any choice but to stand alone because people fear if I support the leader I'll be taking side against the ones who don't. But an eagle? Yeah. They can stand on their own two feet. They don't have to run with the crowd and have the support of 
other weak-minded people. They're willing to stand on their own two feet and take responsibility for what they think, what they say. Okay. So these are just modern-day proverbs. Uh, we're not equating these with Scripture because they are not on the standard of Scripture. But um, I just want to talk about this one last thing before we close. Do, I'm talking about you as an individual, do you pray for wisdom? How often are you asking God to make you a wise person, a wiser person? And how intense are you about that? How much passion do you have around that in terms of, God, I want to be a wiser person? How did Solomon get wisdom? He asked for it. He prayed. Um, Solomon said, God, you've made me king over this numerous people. And Solomon understood this one thing, that my responsibility as a leader is to represent God. Um, I need to know how to do that. God, would you give me wisdom to fulfill this calling that you have placed on my life? God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind, and did not ask for riches. If he would have said, God, I want to be rich, God would have given it to him because God says, Solomon, ask whatever you want and that's what I'm going to give you. Uh, he could have asked for wealth, not just money, but all the trappings that come along with wealth. He didn't ask for honor. I just want to be the most glorious king who has ever lived. Nope. Didn't ask for that. Didn't ask for the life of those who hate him. Hey, God, will you just clear the path of all these people who are my haters? Nope, didn't ask for that. Could have prayed for long life, and God would have given him that, but he didn't pray for that. But you have asked for yourself Wisdom and knowledge. What is wisdom? The ability to see as God sees. You see through his eyes. That's wisdom. What is knowledge? That is the deepening of that wisdom. That's what feeds that wisdom. That's what deepens and builds. That wisdom is knowledge. And so, what is God's response to Solomon in verse 12? Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And because you ask for wisdom, and that really pleases me when my people ask for wisdom, I will give you riches 
and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed, nor those who will come after you. Solomon said, I just want wisdom, knowledge. God says, you got it? And because that's what you were after, and not all of the shallow things, I'm going to give you the shallow stuff too. Do you pray for wisdom? Here's what God says. If any of you lacks wisdom, how many of us do you think that would apply to? All of us. I am short on wisdom. I could use a whole lot more. If any of you lacks wisdom, what are we to do? Let him ask of God. And, and what kind of a God is he? Who gives to all generously and without reproach. In other words, I'm never going to scold you for asking for wisdom. It will always be without reproach. It'll be just the opposite. Hey, well done. You asking for wisdom? Yes. It will be given to him. God says, ask for wisdom. I'd, I'd love to give you that. I'd love for you to avoid all the consequences. When you're raising your kids, you need wisdom so that you don't raise wayward kids. When you're picking a mate, you need wisdom so that you'll end up with God's choice and not someone who is going to be the source of your suffering. When it comes to picking a job, you need wisdom to make sure that you pick the job that God wants for you. When you're spending money, you should be asking God, give me wisdom on how to spend this. When you're borrowing money, you should be asking for wisdom. God, should I borrow this? How much should I borrow? What should be the terms of my repayment? You should be asking God for wisdom with everything God, somebody offended me. How should I handle this? God, I see that I have a brother or a sister who is living under your judgment. They're living in sin. How should I handle this? God, you have given me direct access and influence with this individual. And I'm not sure they know you. Or maybe you're sure that they are not saved. God, would you give me the wisdom in how to reach them for Christ? God, I see that I have uh, maybe another 10 years of life left. Maybe another 20 years, maybe another 50 years. God, would you give me wisdom on how to best spend this life? 
What do you think God will say to that? Here's one thing I know that God will say to that. Make sure that the temporary is serving the eternal. Make sure that the temporary is serving the eternal. Is my money eternal? No. It's temporary. But I can make my money serve the eternal. I can use my money for eternal gain, for eternal benefit. Is my time eternal? (laughs) No. But I can use my temporary time here for the benefit of eternity. Um, Questions about anything that we've talked about today? So, how many are already, and don't tell a story, how many are already praying for wisdom on a regular basis? Can I see your hands? I'm already doing that on a regular basis. I'm praying for wisdom, okay? And how many are saying, you know what? I'm going to make that a regular prayer. I'm going to be asking God, God, increase my wisdom. Give me much more wisdom. How many are going to be asking God for that? Amen. That will bless your life. Any questions? All right.